Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps to Detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The truth is the most convincing story that maps onto reality. That's why the central narrative is falling apart. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. We must see the central narrative for the fiction that it is. We are Americans. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Friday, February 9th, 2024, the 1115th day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and hello to all of you listening to the podcast on the day of its release. The only way to do that is by becoming a paid subscriber at I'm your moderator.substack.com. You can do so for as little as $50 a year or $5 a month. And in doing so, you will be supporting me, the work I do, and this show as it expands. And if you can't, or you simply don't want to, continue listening to the podcast for free a couple days later on a wide variety of podcast platforms. And of course, Rumble. All I ask is that you share it with your friends. You can find the links to the podcast, the writing, the social media, and the merch site by visiting linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. Okay, so last evening, we all collectively experienced the most important moment in apparently American history. Tucker Carlson, the great journalist, went over to Russia to interview Vladimir Putin, and it was streamed on the X platform as well as not on the X platform and just on Tucker's website. 
for his new subscription news network. It was supposed to be streamed exclusively on X, and it just wasn't. Who knows why that was? Probably just co-branding and cross-promotion, and maybe it helped get the thing out there. The entire week was nothing but hype for this Tucker Carlson interview of Vladimir Putin. We were supposed to believe that this was a very important moment in world history. Something incredible was going to be revealed, and it turned out that that wasn't what it was at all. Now, because there will probably be some Tucker Carlson fans listening to this who regard Tucker Carlson in the same way that 14-year-old girls regard Taylor Swift, I will just say, so that everybody understands my perspective, I am generally a fan of Tucker Carlson. I find him likable. I did almost an entire episode about this at some point this year in 2024, because we had a discussion about him on devolution. And then I continued that discussion on this podcast. So if you want to hear my lengthy discussion of what I think is going on with Tucker Carlson, you can find it there. I also understand that for some reason, people believe that when Tucker Carlson broadcasts a particular perspective, all of a sudden, people will actually accept that information where they wouldn't have accepted it from other people. And that that is absolutely crucial, even if the issue they're learning new information about is long past the point of the people being able to influence events at all. The episode, by the way, is called Strictly for My Normies. And the title is a reference to an old Tupac album. So normies is spelled with periods between it. You'll see. You can't use the word normies to find this if you're searching. So just go on Substack. I'm your moderator.substack.com and use the archive feature, the search feature and type in strictly. You will be just fine. So all of these standard issue villagers gathered around the intellectual kids table on Twitter go absolutely apeshit all week waiting for this Tucker Carlson, Vladimir Putin interview. It is the most hyped media event in at least a few weeks since Tucker Carlson interviewed Alex Jones and probably the most hyped interview since Tucker Carlson interviewed Elon Musk and probably the most hyped interview since Tucker Carlson interviewed Donald Trump, which was probably the most hyped interview since Tucker Carlson interviewed somebody else. Tucker Carlson's interviews are always the most hyped. Are they the most informative? No. Are they dealing with the most up-to-date information? Absolutely never. Are they forcing people to understand that they are being lied to by the very media organizations and funders Tucker Carlson's working for? Absolutely not. Is he leading his audience to make good decisions with their life? with their understanding of whether or not the country has been usurped, let's say, or whether or not to get a vaccine, let's say, or whether or not to support a military industrial complex war of choice in a foreign land. Or how about is he guiding his audience toward an understanding that their financial future is in some doubt and they should begin looking at potentially options to protect what they have earned over the course of their life in the event that some massive change comes with our currency as a result of what is absolutely happening in the rest of the world. No, of course, Tucker Carlson's audience does not know anything about any of that because Tucker Carlson never tells them. Now, I know, I know this is where I'm supposed to say, yes, 
I understand that there is a viewpoint that says Tucker Carlson is an extremely important media figure. He is someone that normies are willing to listen to and learn from. And we are in the midst of a vast information operation designed to wake up the citizens of this great country in order that they might be informed about what's actually happening in this country, what is being done to them, what is being done in their name. And upon learning, they will seize back control for themselves. They will seize back the power for themselves. And we will return to a state where we have a government of by and for the people, a government that is legitimately chosen and legitimately placed in positions of power and public trust, a government that rules with the consent of the governed and can be held accountable through free and fair elections. And because this info op is going on and because Tucker Carlson is a very important media figure, then we need to understand that what Tucker Carlson is doing is not actually lying to everyone, regardless of the truth value of his statements. And he's not keeping all of those people stuck in an informational past. In fact, he's bringing them out of that informational past and he's doing so at just the right pace just the right speed. He's giving them a little bit at a time so they don't become too upset. They don't freak out. They don't lose their minds and ruin everything. Tucker's doing it at just the right pace. He's not lying to anyone. He's just telling them a tiny, tiny bit of the truth way later on because that's, you know, just what they're capable of dealing with. And you got to understand that we, we're capable of dealing with so much more and that's why we're so much further ahead. And because we're so much further ahead and we want to be kind to all those normies that haven't woken up yet, what we need to do is cheer for Tucker Carlson while he lies to those people who we're trying to help because that's the only way that they're going to ever wake up even a little bit. If we want them to catch up to what was going on three years ago, we're going to need Tucker to keep them back there and then tell them, hey, now it's time to move slightly ahead. Now, I understand that a lot of people think that's really important. Who's going to wake these normies up if it's not Tucker Carlson and Joe Rogan and Ben Shapiro and Tim Poole and Greg Gutfeld and the hosts on Fox and Friends? Who's going to wake these people up if it's not these guys? And okay, who's going to keep them asleep if not those guys? I'll answer your question as soon as you can answer my question. And if you start thinking about it, you might realize, well, who could keep them asleep besides Tucker? Well, I suppose almost anyone. But that's not quite true, is it? Because not almost anyone can keep them asleep. In fact, they're waking up even by watching CNN and MSNBC. CNN and MSNBC aren't actually able to keep people asleep because their story is falling apart. And so people begin to wake up and they begin to understand, hey, I've been lied to for a really, really long time, and I'm no longer trusting these people who I can tell are verifiably lying to me right now. I used to think that they were telling the truth. Now I understand that they're lying. And people will leave characters like Joy Reid and Rachel Maddow and Chris Hayes, and they'll eventually move on from Chris Cuomo and Don Lemon and Anderson Cooper. And they'll even go and move on from Laura Ingram and Ann Coulter and Sean Hannity and Glenn Beck. And then they'll eventually move on from Ben Shapiro. But you know who they could never move on from? Tucker Carlson. 
He's telling the truth the whole time. The other people weren't able to keep these people asleep, but you know who can? Tucker Carlson. And you know why they're able to do that? Because all the people who claim to be awake are telling them, oh no, Tucker's the guy you got to listen to. Just check out Tucker. Tucker will tell you what's going on. I mean, he's not going to tell you the truth about what's going on. And he's not going to tell you about what's going on now, but he will lie to you less than the other people about stuff that happened three years ago. And that's going to wake up the normies, isn't it? Well, no, the answer is no, no, it's not. And there's no proof that Tucker is waking up the normies. Actually, they were three years behind three years ago. They're still three years behind now. And they've been listening to Tucker Carlson the entire time. The only difference is now we are all cheering Tucker Carlson on because he is telling these people that they were lied to about these huge issues, even though he was also one of the major media figures at that time, if not the biggest. And it's funny, you can go down the list. Tucker Carlson, Joe Rogan, Ben Shapiro. These are some of the people with the biggest audiences on the planet, and none of them even discourage their audiences from getting the vaccine. None of them have helped to expose stolen elections in this country. What issue have they been right about for their audiences so that the members of their audiences could make good, informed decisions at the time it actually mattered? Not telling them the truth years later. After an event has already happened and been wrapped up, I don't know if you can tell this, guys, but they're winding down the whole Ukraine thing. They're letting people know, hey, that Ukraine thing, it didn't really work out. Volodymyr Zelensky just fired his commander in chief after a visit from Victoria Newland, the woman who helped lead the color revolution that overthrew the Ukrainian government in 2014. The nation is hearing about how The people don't want to fund Ukraine. Everybody can understand that the talk about Joe Biden's dementia and his mental decline is part of a media op to denigrate Joe Biden in the eyes of the public so that they will ask for demand and then accept a replacement for Joe Biden without the optics indicating a failure by Biden or it being done because of Biden's corruption and criminality or perversion or the laundry list of other problems with Joe Biden. The special counsel, Robert Hur, and we'll get to some of this in a little bit, but the special counsel and the whole of media are now involved in helping the public understand that, you know what, those conspiracy theorists said three years ago that Joe Biden was demented and not up to the job of being president. And they were wrong then. Those were conspiracy theories then. But now it's all true. Now Joe Biden actually is demented and we are comfortable with you understanding that. So we will all now agree that Joe Biden is demented. And let's think of a positive step forward that all of you will support because you know who's still really bad, Donald Trump. So people can see all of that as a coordinated effort to reduce the image of Joe Biden in the public consciousness, thereby leading to a soft landing out of the Joe Biden quote unquote presidency, replacing him with Gavin or Big Mike or Hillary Clinton. And they'll have stories to back up all of that, too. And they'll move on. Everybody understands that op. You can watch it in motion and you can see that it's an op. Now, with that in mind, can you see the same pattern emerging in regard to what we call the war in Ukraine? You hear reports about the weapons going missing. You hear reports about the money laundering. 
We see the comedic actor removing the commander in chief. We see Newland over there. We see headlines about how the funding is going to be cut off to Ukraine. And right at the same time, Tucker Carlson lands in Russia to interview Vladimir Putin. And most of the interview was focused on Russia's brutal invasion with Ukraine. Now, Vladimir Putin is a fascinating man, and I am absolutely happy that this interview exists. I don't think Tucker Carlson did a good job. I think this was a spectacularly wasted opportunity. And also, I think that Vladimir Putin said a lot of interesting things that I'm glad the American populace had a chance to hear. The problem is they also had a chance to hear these things two years ago and three years ago and longer. And none of it was hidden knowledge. It was all available. People were talking about it. John Mearsheimer had work that went viral at the beginning of the brutal invasion two years ago. And that laid out most of the history. I'm really not sure why people have such a tolerance for information gatekeepers and for people who are verifiably keeping people in an informational past. Even if I were to grant you that Tucker Carlson is a, a white hat, as if our entire lives are purposed around figuring out what color hat someone on TV is wearing. But even if I was to grant you that Tucker Carlson is a white hat, and he may well be, but let's say he is. For the sake of the argument that disagrees with mine, Tucker Carlson is a white hat. There is a plan, this grand info op by which people will come to awaken. It is understood by those running the op that they need a psyop to counteract a psyop. And Tucker Carlson is tasked with one of the major narrative through lines that is going to be part of that psyop to lead people out of another psyop. I think that is an entirely fair interpretation of what the countervailing viewpoint is and represents. I think that is entirely fair. I have made that argument before. I've made it about Tucker Carlson before. I understand the argument. My goal is not to convince you that Tucker Carlson is a bad guy because I don't care about the colors of the imaginary hats on people's heads. The point is for each one of us individually to understand the elements of the crucial issues and decision points that define our lives. And we need to be able to gather that information to make those decisions in the appropriate amount of time so that we can influence those decisions. Now, if you're following all of this because you're addicted to this storyline the same way you might be addicted to Game of Thrones or you're obsessed with politics, or you take all of this in as a soap opera, all good. My approach probably isn't right for you, and that's fine. I'm not here to present a show that pleases everyone, but I think people aren't fully grasping the fact that we are in a different world now. There are real things happening out there that affect our country, our country standing in the world. They're going to ultimately affect how our lives play out in some way, and the best thing we can do is inform ourselves so that when the time comes for us to make crucial decisions, we are going to be ahead of those decisions. And before we get into some of the other interview aspects, let's just use this one example. And I presented this in the episode on informational time travel. 
Imagine that you are one of those people in Tucker Carlson's audience. You're a regular Fox News viewer, for instance, or you listen to Tucker and the Daily Wire and Dave Rubin. That's how you get your information. You are watching the mainstream media and telling yourself you have disavowed the mainstream media because you've taken the framing of all of those people that they are not the mainstream media, MSNBC and CNN. That's the mainstream media, but the Daily Wire and the Blaze and some of Fox News, that's not the mainstream media. It is the mainstream media. If you get paid a million dollars a week to tell the public what is going on, you're the mainstream media. If you're one of those people, when the vaccine was released and they said, hey, you're not going to be able to have a job if you don't take this, or you're not going to be able to travel if you don't take this, or you're not going to be able to go into the hospital and see your dying grandma if you're not going to take this. And all of the people you were trusting to get your information told you, yeah, it's probably fine. The science says it's fine. We know that there was this uh, very deadly pandemic and we would all like to go back to our normal lives. We might be able to go back to our normal lives if everyone takes this thing. So I think it's best that we all take it. That's basically Ben Shapiro's argument. Plus his wife, of course, is a doctor. So they really checked. Now, if that was the sum total of information that you were exposed to at that point, you may well have injected yourself with that vaccine. And here we are in 2024. You could be thinking back to three years ago, what you knew three years ago, what led you to inject yourself with that toxic experimental substance three years ago. And you might look back and think, oh God, what have I done to myself? And I imagine that anyone listening to this could probably get that visceral reaction. These people convinced me to do something that might have profoundly negative health consequences on me for the rest of my life. And what was the basis on which they encouraged people to do that? Well, you might lose your job. You might not be able to travel. And the science says it's probably okay. These professional purveyors of information about our culture, about our society, about our politics, about our government, led people to make an absolutely horrendous decision. Now, I hope that people who got vaccinated will turn out okay, because there are people I love who got vaccinated, who I was not able to reach, who I was not able to convince. Why was that the case? Because they were hit with the same media op that led them to make a terrible decision. And this isn't about blaming any of those people who might have convinced them to do that. But what it is about is the understanding that if they knew back then what they know right now, they would have made a different decision and they could have known back then what they know right now, because people like us were out there saying it and people like us were telling them that to their faces, but they didn't believe us because they trusted the experts and they trusted the experts because all the people on TV agreed that they should trust the experts and none of the people on TV gave them good enough reasons to stop trusting the experts. And we know they did that because they were making tons and tons of money to tell their audiences, take that vaccine, trust the experts. This is in fact a very deadly pandemic. We all want to go back to normal, don't we? I don't even think any of you who might want to defend Tucker Carlson on other grounds would even question whether or not this is how things worked. Do you know someone right now who regrets taking the vaccine? If the answer is yes, then that proves my case. Now, do you really not think that's possible when it comes to election fraud? 
that Tucker Carlson covered up. There's no other way to say that. I don't know why people are so adverse to understanding this and accepting it. Tucker's not your best friend. He doesn't know you. You don't know him. He may be a wonderful guy. He may be a good father. He may be all those things. I don't know. I'm not here to condemn the man. I'm here to say that Tucker Carlson had access to that information. And I am certain that people told him back then, and he did not tell that information to his audience. Now, might we find out that the vaccine wasn't dangerous and that the whole Ukraine war is fake and that he really is just leading us through an entirely fictional scenario to reset our minds? Yeah, we may find that out. And I would be more than happy to say to Tucker Carlson, hey, Tucker, you know, I'm sorry I ever doubted you. But again, this isn't about judging Tucker's moral character. It's about how we respond. And the truth is he's lying. You don't need to defend the fact that he's lying because you believe it's good for someone else. I frankly find it a little bit disturbing that everyone has taken it upon themselves to determine what other people are prepared to accept and to say for them on their behalf, we don't need to tell these people the truth because they're not ready for it. Let's just go ahead and keep lying to them while our cause advances. And if you're making that argument, I would suggest that is exactly the same argument your enemies are making. Is the goal to get stupid people to remain in the place they are, but move them just a little bit in our direction so that they go out and vote how we want them to vote? We want them to believe a certain thing and then act a certain way. And we have determined that on their behalf, as an act of charity from us to them, we are going to allow them to be lied to constantly in order to get them to do what we want. That is the argument that is being made to me. And I don't understand why we have to reframe this as okay, because it's part of some grand plan. Now, again, if that plan is really in place and we needed a counter psyop to counteract the psyop that has been done to us, all good. We still need to say when someone is telling the truth and when someone isn't telling the truth, unless we do not plan to get back to any point where any of us are operating on the truth. And then all we have done is replaced their liars with our liars, their corrupt criminals with our corrupt criminals, their compromised politicians with our compromised politicians. At some point, we have to get back to telling the truth or it is just all lies forever. And if that's what it is, then I guess we have a much longer fight in store. And hey, I'm here for it. What else am I going to do? But please stop telling me that we need to praise people while they lie to our peers and loved ones in order to get them to wake up on some pace that someone else has determined. I actually have former friends. I have loved ones and family members who are not awake yet. They were very, very committed to things that they believe. And I have worked diligently over the years to try to tell them the truth all the time in a way that they can connect with and understand. Sometimes I'm successful and sometimes I'm not successful. But through that process, they understand that I am going to tell the truth to them all the time, whether they like it or not. And because they trust me and they understand that I care about them and that I'm not just trying to be right compared to them, we are actually able to maintain a relationship without avoiding the problems, but also without totally seeing eye to eye. 
because I handle them honestly and they handle me honestly. And they are quite confused about what's happening in the world. But I do not find it helpful that major media outlets are still throwing those lies at them all the time. And I have to wonder if at some point, maybe we need to stop cheering for the people who are lying to our friends and loved ones and keeping them trapped in that informational past. And the strangest thing is when these complaints come from the same sorts of people who say things like, we are the news now. Well, what do you think that means? I think it means that people who are awakening and sharing the truth with one another, that's how everyone's getting informed now. And people who care about the truth are analyzing that information, trying to figure out what it all means. And they're trying to share it with other people. And that's what I'm trying to do. And that's what Badlands is trying to do. That's what I think many of you are trying to do. But I don't have any reason to believe that's what Tucker Carlson, in the same way, I don't have any reason to believe that's what Ben Shapiro is trying to do, or Megyn Kelly, or Dave Rubin, or any of the people on The Blaze, or The Daily Wire, or Fox News. Why should I believe that those people, who have kept everyone in the false reality are now all of a sudden the same people who are going to lead them out of it. And again, you say we are the news now. What does it mean? Are Tucker Carlson and Ben Shapiro part of the news now, or is it just the people telling one another the truth and analyzing what they know to figure out what it means and sharing it with other people so that we can all become more informed together and take back power in our government so that it begins working for the people instead of in direct opposition to the people for the benefit of a global regime that is run by a global network of spies, which, by the way, Vladimir Putin, I'm not sure if you noticed, pointed out Tucker Carlson was among that group of people. And I know, I know Tucker Carlson's application for the CIA got denied. Did Vladimir Putin seem to think that now we can just leave that aside, too? We can say maybe Tucker Carlson was in the CIA, but that doesn't mean that he's not a white hat now tasked with waking up all these people by lying to them. Okay, cool. Totally. Tucker could be a former CIA agent who is now a white hat waking everybody up to the truth by lying to them millions at a time. It's possible that that's true. It's possible that Vladimir Putin was wrong. It's possible that the main story about Tucker Carlson, where he applied to join the CIA but didn't get in, it's possible that's true too. So are we the news now, or is Tucker Carlson still the news? Because Tucker Carlson was the news three years ago, and five years ago, and 10 years ago, and 20 years ago. And over the course of that time, he has worked at MSNBC, CNN, Fox News, and now for the Tucker Carlson Network. Now he's an independent journalist. What does it mean that we are the news now if we are going to cheer on someone who gets paid a million dollars a week to make sure that people don't hear what's actually happening? Again, the point is not to convince you that Tucker is a bad guy. I'm not even convinced myself that Tucker is a bad guy, but we are not in high school. The goal is not to determine that Tucker is a really nice guy and maybe if we got to meet one day, then maybe we would be best friends. Who cares? I don't care. I don't care at all. If you like or don't like Tucker Carlson, you are more than welcome to like him. In the meantime, we should demand that the people 
who are being elevated to positions of public prominence and power are actually out there telling the truth, not figuring out ways, concocting imaginary scenarios whereby they might be good guys on our side, despite the fact that they lead their audience to make bad decisions about everything that matters all the time. We should be pushing for people to tell the truth all the time, not sometimes all the time. And just one other note on that, because this was one of the funniest things that I saw a bunch of times last night. People were like, I don't see you interviewing Vladimir Putin. Yeah, that's right. You don't see me interviewing Vladimir Putin because I'm not a CIA asset like Tucker Carlson is. First of all, I don't get paid a million dollars a week to tell people what to think. So nobody's clamoring to send me over there. Also, I'm heavily censored and Tucker Carlson isn't. Why is that? Why did Tucker Carlson never get censored at all? And why is Tucker Carlson's brand that he just loves free speech as if Tucker Carlson is a warrior for free speech? I mean, give me a break, people. And I really hope you guys understand why I'm doing this. I'm not like trying to crush your spirit or crush your dreams or destroy your heroes, although I genuinely don't understand what is with the hero worship. People are treating him like Taylor Swift. It is very disturbing. There genuinely is a purpose to this. And again, I am probably one of the most optimistic people in our community. I would really say that I'm among the most optimistic people. I believe we are going to win. I believe we've already won. What I want is for you guys to win. I want you to become leaders in your own life. I want you to go lead your communities or your families, because if we're out ahead, then we need to be making progress so that the people behind have a path forward. We can't just all stand here being like, hey, look at those guys back behind. I hope they catch up soon, especially while you got a gate in front of them holding them back, making sure that they don't catch up. You're not supposed to be cheering for the gate. Hey, look, Ricky's there. He's right at the gate. Hey, Ricky, come on, come on over the gate and come join us. And then Ricky starts screaming back. Hey, hey, this gate is too strong. I can't get over it. Why would I ever get over this gate? It's perfect. All my friends are right here with me. And you're like, ah, I can't hear you, Ricky. I'll, uh, I'll come see you and your friends down there by the gate in just a minute. And then you're like, hey, guys, I know you guys are really far ahead, but I'm going to uh, I'm just going to go back and hang with Ricky and his friends just for a little bit. And you go on back down to the gate and you say, hey, Ricky, so nice to see you. And Ricky's like, oh, man, thanks, bro. I saw you were all the way up there ahead. What was that all about? Oh, don't worry about it, Ricky. You're not ready to understand that sort of stuff yet. How about this gate? What a great gate we've got here, huh? Uh, yeah, this is my favorite gate. I've always told all you guys, you know what you need to do? You need to come check out this gate. This gate's name is Tucker. You're going to love this gate. He keeps you right here. It's, it's so cool. Now, it would be a little cooler if you were on my side of the gate. But here's the thing. I'm going to stay here with you because I like it right here. You stay within the gate. That's Tucker. He's both of our best friend. And for the next 10 years, I'm going to convince you that my side of the gate is better while you try to convince me that your side of the gate is better. Just look how many of our friends are over there with you. Gosh, what paradise, right? Back there at the gate, 
back there with Ricky and all the other guys. Hey, you thought you left them behind, but you didn't. You wanted them up to that gate, and they're there now. And now you can celebrate about how unified you are around that gate. But it turns out you're not getting ahead. And that gate is actually the point at which people get left behind. And the gate is what's making sure that happens. If you care about those people back there and you want to make sure they break through that gate, then you've got to show them something that's up ahead that can motivate them to push through that gate. You can't go back there and put your shoulder behind the gate to help prop up the gate. And we all want these people to save themselves. I've wanted that since the day I started doing this, when I was still in Hollywood, before I had ever donned my first MAGA hat. I think my experience in Hollywood provided me a particular set of insights into what that mindset, that mentality, and that spirituality amount to. And I think I have an idea on how to get out of it because I got out of it. I talked all year long in 2021 about redeemable communists. I want these people to have the ability to reach some of these conclusions on their own in an honest way because they woke up to the truth, not because they were led down a path so that they could be kept in the pen forever and vote for one side rather than the other, remaining constantly around that gate in that controlled opposition dynamic. I want people to understand what was done and what was done to them in a way that motivates them to be better and be different and figure out what it was that took them to that bad place in the first place so they can know how to get back. We are not actually helping them by sending them links and sources of mainstream media figures that they already don't like. The point is to tell people the truth. And if they're not prepared to accept it, you just leave it there. And hopefully events in the world, events in that person's life might wake them up to the fact that you told them the truth about a given subject a long time ago. And if they had listened to you, they would have known better since then. And it might have led them to make different choices in their lives, even if it was just a matter of representing themselves in a different way in public. That develops actual trust because they understood that you were looking out ahead and you were trying to share the truth as best you understood it for their benefit, not because you wanted to prove them wrong and make them understand that you're right, but because you found out you were right and you wanted to let them know too. And you don't even need to be right. You just need to present another view of things of how the world might be or what something might mean, something that is being left unsaid by others. And you present a perspective that allows them to consider a different option that they would have never considered otherwise. This is the point of telling the truth and sharing the truth. That is how the collective mind works. I tell you something, you know, that thing's not true. You show me it's not true. I never say it again. So I don't spread that untruth to someone else. And of course, the opposite works as well. I know some things other people don't know. Other people know a bunch of things that I don't know. And so we have conversations and I learn from their knowledge and they learn from mine. 
And if we're open and honest and we actually have an interest in the subjects at hand, then we exchange information and our knowledge grows. And sometimes the two of us tackling a problem at the same time means there's some way that my brain spontaneously works and your brain spontaneously works. And we arrive at a decision that neither of us could have ever reached on our own. This is the way that the truth community online has developed how various parts of it have arisen spontaneously. People looking to solve informational problems together and doing it out in public so that other people can participate in the information process and the decision process. And in opposition of that, we have a centralized corporate media that projects propaganda 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and has for decades nonstop. And not only do they do it through the reality show coming through on your television, not only do they do it on radio or in movies or TV shows or reality shows or in the music you listen to. And not only that, they also drug you and they threaten you. Information is released on the timeline. The corporation serving the global regime approves of and these people go right along with that schedule and pump information out on that approved timeline, always days, weeks, months, or years past the point at which the outcome of the related event could be affected by the engagement of people who know what's going on. It's not an accident that this is what the news does. This is the purpose of the news. Why would I then devote all my time and energy into convincing my friends and loved ones who are clearly not getting what's going on to switch brands of mainstream news? That's not going to fix the problem. That's not going to wake them up. Choosing one brand of the central narrative over another brand of the central narrative is not waking someone up. And unless they're coming to understand much deeper truths like what we're actually facing in the world and that the uniparty is a real thing and that our elections are stolen and that the existential threats they keep telling us we are going to bring upon ourselves are mostly fake. If they're changing brands of news and they're not coming to understand that, then that's not even progress. So no, I don't want people to accept a better set of lies. I want all of us to demand the truth because that is what we want to be told. I don't want someone else deciding what I am prepared to know. If my friends and my loved ones who I care about happen to be well behind me and I'm out front, well, I need to figure out what's ahead of that and I need to figure out how to get them caught up to me so that I can protect them. Because staying back there is not an option. There are things coming our way. I'm sorry, but I care more about my friends and family than I care about a group of indiscriminate normies who I've never met. I am not going to spend my time cheering on an imaginary group of people being moved a little bit further in their imaginary reality. I want a real group of people around me, the people close to me, and whoever is within the sound of my voice to be charging ahead 
so that you know what is out there on behalf of yourself and your family and your loved ones, first and foremost, but ultimately on behalf of everyone else, because it is a discovery process. And if we're all communicating everything we find, then discovery happens quicker. Now, if your priorities are different than mine, all good. I'm not here to assess your priorities, but I would like to get out of this eternal loop where we replace one group of evil liars with another. Do I think it would just be better if we had a uniparty right in power so that things were run by uniparty members with little R's next to their name? No, I don't think that would be better. But more importantly, we don't have to settle for that. And again, I'm not judging you. If that is what you want and you think that's a win, then you're welcome to do that and check out. If you're tired, you're welcome to check out. You don't have to be into my thing. But I believe the goal here is the awakening process. It is not getting one political party to win one election once and just cheering on the television as it keeps all the people who are already behind well behind. And just to repeat this before we move on to the interview, my point is, even if Tucker is an op, the best op, a white hat op, to slowly release information, to bring people along a certain timeline together so that everyone can safely wake up at once. That's the most charitable interpretation I can possibly give to him. And if he's doing all that, maybe he's a hero. But even if all that is true, it is still our responsibility to demand the truth from him, not to defend him while he's not telling the truth. Doesn't matter if we think what he's doing is good or bad. We still have to demand the truth because that's the morally right thing to do regardless. And here's the other thing. No matter what, Tucker is definitely an op. We can all agree about that. He's not just some independent journalist who decided one day to reach out to Vladimir Putin and Vladimir Putin said yes. He's had mainstream media television shows for two decades, he had the biggest show on cable news, on Fox News. He's had every member of the replacement mainstream media on his independent show. And he's backed by Elon Musk. And there are people who present his name as a potential president. One way or another, you have to understand something's going on. Now, it might be that totally good interpretation. And all of you people who think that might be right. And I'm saying that to you. You might be right about that thing. But even so, we have to demand the truth. We have to press for the truth ourselves. We have to call it out when people aren't being given the truth. We should stop cheering for people who don't give others the truth. And I mean the truth in a timely manner so they can use it. Because we can both agree that he is absolutely, definitely an op. And even if you think my idea about what he might be is a 1% probability, that should still be enough to tell you that you don't know. So you should proceed with caution. And I would say, and you don't have to agree, but I would say that at the very, very bottom, what we do definitely know 
is that he is not being truthful in his presentation and hasn't been at any point in the past and shows no indication of becoming more truthful in the future. And it doesn't matter that the things that he's saying now, by and large, are true because the time to know that was years ago and other people did know it and Tucker did not highlight those people then. So you know he's an op. You don't know which side he's working for, but you do know that he lies all the time. What is the proper stance when you arrive at a situation like that? I would suggest the proper stance is extreme doubt and skepticism, not praise and glorification. And how about this? I'm trying to play, by the way, as much on your terms as possible. I'm trying to be absolutely as fair to the counter argument as I can be. And if you think I'm being unfair, I'm sorry. I don't know what else to do. But let's say Tucker is almost exactly the op you believe him to be. Let's say there's definitely a good guy info op going on, a psyop to undo another psyop, all that stuff, real, got you, same purpose, right, strategy, correct, you got the whole thing, you know that's there, you know people are doing that, following that exact strategy, you don't know 100% who everyone in the group is, but you know it's happening. And you suspect Tucker Carlson is in that group, but you're not entirely sure. So here we are at this point in 2024. We don't know what's going to happen the rest of the year. We have our opinions. We're all here supporting Donald Trump and the America First movement. Maybe there are people in my audience who aren't. I would be surprised by that, but maybe there are. We don't know how this year is going to go. What we can see for sure is that people are switching up their information intake. They're realizing that they were let down by a certain number of figures. And so there becomes this need for new people to replace those old people. Those old media figures, they know that those people are liars. So they're going to go out and find someone who wasn't saying the things those old people were saying. They don't know what's true now. They just know that they were lied to and that there are other opinions out there. So they go to the opinions that most fit their overall worldview, but weren't the opinions from before. They have successfully moved at this point from following the mainstream uniparty left media to the mainstream uniparty right media. They understood that they were misled. They were told the wrong things. But they don't know the truth, and they're still sure that those crazy, mean people who support Donald Trump, those people can't be right. So they switch brands of information. They get rid of all that mainstream uniparty left media. They bring in all the uniparty right media, and everything works out great. Except everything doesn't work out great. All they've done is replaced one brand with another. So if you're going to look out there and see all of these people with all of these minds, just first understanding that they've been done wrong. They've been misled. They've been lied to. They want something else and someone else. They want to reject all of that. What's being promoted to them? Tim Poole, Russell Brand, Joe Rogan, Ben Shapiro, and bum, 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 Tucker Carlson. And all of the organizations and the money around these people has led them all to arrive at essentially the same worldview on essentially the same timeline. And based on whether someone in our community likes or dislikes one of those figures, maybe they object to an explanation being attached to that figure. 
that that figure is not actually a bad guy. That figure is a good guy, whether it's Rogan or Poole or whoever. That person is a really good guy because they exist to wake up the normies. Now, they haven't woken up the normies. They haven't told the truth. They haven't discovered information. They haven't led their audiences to make good decisions, but they have brought them along a path. And they're still, yes, very far behind, but they have been brought along that path. And they've done it very, very effectively so that these people are mostly understanding what's going on in the world, or at least they're getting a whole lot closer. Well, what happens if you find out that the op they were running is almost exactly like the other one running that you know is running, and it just runs in parallel, and it's designed to steer everyone somewhere else? Like to Robert F. Kennedy Jr., for instance, and I'm not declaring a judgment about RFK Jr. I think there are some good things, like that he clearly has a vendetta against the deep state and these global spy networks. And then I think he also has some really bad views on a range of important political issues. But let's say all of that info op was designed to lead everybody down this path that is just like yours up to a point, And then it redirects all those people who are still stuck there right behind that gate. It sends them in an entirely different direction that you know to be just as dangerous as the one they just left. Two questions. One, at what point do you realize that's a problem? And two, if you find out that's the case, would you have wanted to act differently before? And again, you don't have to agree with me. You don't have to adopt my opinion. You don't even have to like my opinion. But if I was in that hypothetical situation and I was trying to figure out what to do with a person who is being lauded as the most important journalist of a generation, whether to support him or not, not knowing what his intentions were, but knowing that he had a profound effect on what people believe. And in fact, encouraging and promoting his effect on what people believe myself, then I would embrace skepticism. My skepticism comes at very low risk. If I'm wrong, then I would owe Tucker Carlson an apology for doubting his character. And I would say you did an excellent job. But if he's not who you think he is, and absolutely no one says it to anyone, because we're all supposed to unify with our God King, Tucker Swift, then what have we done? What is the risk of that? What is the risk of elevating to the position of voice of all the people, someone whose affiliations and intentions we simply don't know? And someone who doesn't seem to be particularly honest or particularly well-informed. And regardless of what you think of how that interview went last night, Tucker did not come off particularly intelligent. And yes, yes, I understand that if it's all an act, then he was just acting that way. I get it. Oh, I get it. But he didn't seem to know the history. He didn't seem to want to hear the history. Was it an act? Maybe. Otherwise, Who's to say that wasn't protecting the military industrial complex in their war of choice in the first place? Putin was laying out the history of the region, Russia's connection to that land and its people, the history of that region, which, by the way, includes Kazarians, and how that land changed hands over the course of history. 
the events that lead up in a broader historical sense to what we're seeing now in the conflict, what the stakes really are. He talked about how the people of that region consider themselves Russian. The eastern portion of Ukraine, that Donbass region, that has just been part of Russia for over a year now. They moved in. They had referenda. They were initially independent republics. Then they voted to become part of Russia. So did Crimea. Tucker did kind of a 10-minute debrief after the interview was over that was then published. It doesn't make his interview look better. It seemed like he was doing some narrative cleanup. I don't know how that was initiated. But he went into a long thing about how Putin's feelings were hurt because he had wanted to be better friends with the West and he had been let down by U.S. leaders. Tucker spent some time opining that Putin was never going to give Crimea back. That has never even been on the menu. These are things that Tucker could have been telling his audience two years ago rather than pretending to have just found out right now. It should not be a revelation to Tucker's audience that Vladimir Putin had put peace deals on the table at the beginning of the whole exchange. Putin reiterated last night that as a sign from him in good faith at the beginning of the whole quote unquote invasion, he removed all forces from around Kiev. And then the negotiations were thrown in the trash as he describes it. And we in the Western world were told that the brave Ukrainians forced Russia out of Kiev. Now, I understand a great many Americans don't know that, but if that's important and Tucker just informed them of that and now they believe it, why didn't he tell them that two years ago when it was also true? Now, you can say that it's for the sake of this info op. But the one thing you know for sure is that that's not new news. Tucker Carlson had access to it and his audience doesn't know it, which is why he's presenting it as a surprise. Would they have known it two years ago when it was true and it was known? Yes. Would they have believed it if he told them that? Yes. Would that have taken away the regime's point that they and the brave Ukrainian forces pushed Russia out of Kyiv. Yes, it would have. Now, did all of this have to happen exactly like this for the sake of the story and all of this plan to work out perfectly? If the answer is yes, I accept that. I can honor that right along with you and say, gosh, that's wonderful. That kind of genius, something so intricate could actually never even be done or conceived of by man. This is an act of God that this is real. I can go there with you. But if that's not the case and God is just working in different ways and Tucker's not part of the op, well, then he just prevented his audience from having a piece of information that he definitely had access to and did not tell them because at the time he was on Fox and so they censored him. It wasn't him. It was Fox censoring him. And people who might have believed differently or acted differently or supported different things would thereby have been misled. And if you think, wait a second, people are responsible for their own information intake. Well, I would definitely agree with you there. 
And I would also say that that is an excellent reason to make sure that the media you choose is committed to trying to tell you the truth to the best of their ability at the point at which they know it. I mean, you have to understand that Tucker was acting surprised last night and from the viewpoint that it's all an act, it's an info op, Tucker was playing his role to perfection, then fine, you saw through and you saw that he was acting. Either way, all good. We can both agree he was acting. He was acting surprised as if the information he was receiving was new. Is that honest or dishonest? We're not talking about necessities. We're not talking about whether or not it's justified. We're just talking about honest or dishonest. I would say that's dishonest. He lied to the audience right then. He performed not remembering. Why does he do that rather than saying, yes, I've heard you make that case before. Please lay it out for me because that is not what we are told about your motivations and how this thing kicked off. We were actually told that the brave Ukrainians pushed the Russians out of Kiev, and that was their major victory at the beginning of the war. That was part of the justification for why it went on so long. And again, if it's all just a stage play, all good, we can still revert to that other conversation about how we should engage that. One could easily argue, if you're not adopting the viewpoint of the whole info up, if you're just taking it at surface value, one could argue that Tucker actually did a great job of protecting the central narrative about the Russia-Ukraine incident while letting Vladimir Putin explain it from his own perspective. But even that's in question after he did the post-show debrief, trying to reframe Putin's stance. It was also reported yesterday that Tucker Carlson met with Edward Snowden while in Russia. Is that a good guy thing to do? And is he going to present it in a good guy way? And is Edward Snowden a good guy? Well, these are all major questions. We don't know how that's going to go. Did he interview Edward Snowden? The fact that he's there interviewing Edward Snowden might suggest that there was something official set up there and intelligence agencies from both countries were involved. Is that a good thing for America first and for MAGA and for Donald Trump? Is it a good thing for the truth? We can certainly hope so, but we don't know that. I mean, I want to hear from Edward Snowden. I want to hear from everybody. Please don't take this as me suggesting that Tucker Carlson should not interview Edward Snowden if given the chance. And I'm not suggesting that he shouldn't have interviewed Vladimir Putin. I am glad the interview exists in the world as opposed to it not existing. I'm not saying that this isn't going to have positive net effects. Those aren't the cases I'm making at all. The case I'm making is that it's still important to be honest. It is important to demand honesty and Tucker's own audience is being left in the past by Tucker while we are cheering him on. Now, there was a long segment, a long exchange, probably 10 minutes long from about an hour and 20 minutes into the interview to about an hour and 30 minutes in. And during this period, they talked about a series of issues, or at least Putin did, that seemed to leave Tucker baffled or perhaps baffled on the part of his audience. He was saying a whole bunch of things that Tucker has never said and that his audience simply does not know. They're not getting it from the mainstream media. Tucker is part of the mainstream media. That's just a fact. He's doing the same work he was doing at Fox, holding the same viewpoints, saying the same things 
to the same guests. I know it feels different. I know that people treat it differently. It's not different. It's the same. Now, again, I think the interview is fascinating and I'm not discouraging anyone from listening to it. Please, by all means, go listen to it. But I want to go through some of this because it's important to understand what is wrong with what's happening here and how this affects how we operate in the real world. Tucker says one of our United States senators from New York, Chuck Schumer, said that we have to continue to fund the Ukrainian effort or U.S. soldiers could wind up fighting there. How do you assess that? I have the transcript in front of me, by the way. So most of this will be word for word. Putin says this is a provocation and a cheap provocation at that. I do not understand why American soldiers should fight in Ukraine. They are mercenaries from the United States. The bigger number of mercenaries comes from Poland with mercenaries from the United States in second place and mercenaries from Georgia in third place. So these are countries that are right next to Russia in the same region. They have tons of mercenaries in the Ukraine army and the United States has the second most mercenaries over there. So we say that we don't have boots on the ground, but the United States is paying for this, supplying intelligence, supplying weapons and has mercenaries there. And so you have Vladimir Putin, a world leader who actually has to deal with this and someone who he seems to believe is a CIA agent sitting across from him, that being Tucker Carlson, knowing that it would be that element of quote unquote America that is doing all of this in Ukraine. But I'll continue with what Putin said. He says, well, if somebody has the desire to send regular troops, that would certainly bring humanity to the brink of a very serious global conflict. This is obvious. Do the United States need this? What for? Thousands of miles away from your national territory. Don't you have anything better to do? You have issues on the border, issues with migration, issues with the national debt, more than $33 trillion. You have nothing better to do. So you should fight in Ukraine. Wouldn't it be better to negotiate with Russia, make an agreement, already understanding the situation that is developing today, realizing that Russia will fight for its interests to the end and realizing this actually a return to common sense, start respecting our country and its interests and look for certain solutions? It seems to me that this is much smarter and more rational. And of course it is. It is also true that Vladimir Putin has had that out there the entire time. A peace negotiation since the very beginning. And Tucker knows that. Why doesn't Tucker's audience know that? Doesn't the answer to that question matter? Doesn't it matter whether or not Tucker Carlson's audience understands that? And if the answer is yes, how come he didn't tell them that two years ago? Tucker asks, who blew up Nord Stream? Putin jokes you for sure. Tucker says, I was busy that day. I did not blow up Nord Stream. Thank you, though. Putin says, you personally may have an alibi, but the CIA has no such alibi. Tucker says, do you have evidence that NATO or the CIA did it? Putin responded with a discussion of how difficult that operation would have been to pull off. Not everyone would have had the resources. There aren't that many people that could have even done it. But at the same time, all the details are so murky, we shouldn't assume that anything in particular is true about that event, including that it even happened in the first place. Because from an info war and narrative perspective, 
The most important thing is the story about that. And the story doesn't require an actual event. Putin actually laughed at Tucker when he began asking about the Nord Stream. Then he implied that Tucker is in the CIA. But more importantly, why is he laughing? It kind of felt like the same way he might have laughed if some mainstream U.S. journalist asked him why he wasn't forcing the Russian people to wear COVID masks, for instance. It was like, are you seriously asking me that, you child? But Tucker pressed on. He said, but I'm confused. I mean, it's the biggest act of industrial terrorism ever, and it's the largest emission of CO2 in history. Well, who gives a shit about that? Okay, so if you had evidence and presumably given your security services or intel services, you would that NATO, the US, the CIA, the West did this. Why wouldn't you present it and win a propaganda victory? Here is Putin's response. In the war of propaganda, it is very difficult to defeat the United States because the United States controls all the world's media and many European media. The ultimate beneficiary of the biggest European media are American financial institutions. Don't you know that? So it is possible to get involved in this work, but it is cost prohibitive, so to speak. We can simply shine the spotlight on our sources of information and we will not achieve results. It is clear to the whole world what happened then. Even American analysts talk about it directly. It's true. Tucker shifts gears to a question about the impact on the German economy. And Putin describes how some of that situation came to be and notes at the end, these people negotiating, these people directing events from the side of the global regime. He says, those are highly incompetent people. And then we get into the most interesting section in my view. Tucker asks, well, maybe the world is breaking into two hemispheres, one with cheap energy, the other without. And I want to ask you that if we are now a multipolar world, obviously we are. Can you describe the blocks of alliances? Who is in each? Do you think now, if you're a frequent listener to this show, you understand exactly why I honed in on this. I don't talk about two hemispheres and I don't talk about it as one having energy and the other not having energy. I don't think that that's the right way to describe this, but we don't need to quibble over that. Tucker finally mentions the multipolar world order. Do you think his audience knows anything about that? I can guarantee you the answer is no. Why is that? A reliance on authoritative sources, corporate propaganda media, and censorship. Here is Putin's answer. Listen, you have said that the world is breaking into two hemispheres. A human brain is divided into two hemispheres. One of them is responsible for one type of activities, the other is more about creativity and so on. But it is still one and the same head. And the transcript is a little awkward just because it records everything they say. And if something sounds like I, there's an I there. So it says, I, the world, should be a single whole. Clearly, that's not a sentence. Maybe he said, if the world should be a single whole or just the world should be a single whole. But I will go on. Security should be shared rather than meant for the global billion. That is the only scenario where the world could be stable, sustainable, and predictable. Until then, while the head is split in two parts, it is an illness, a serious adverse condition. It is a period of severe disease that the world is going through now. 
But I think that thanks to honest journalism, this work is akin to the work of doctors. This could somehow be remedied. It's a good time to ask yourself whether or not you think Tucker Carlson represents the sort of journalism that is helping the world march forward toward that. And you may well think that. And if you think it, good for you. I'm not here to argue with you about that. I'm just presenting an alternative perspective. And here is where the rubber meets the road. Tucker says, well, let's just give one example. The U.S. dollar, which has kind of united the world in a lot of ways, maybe not to your advantage, but certainly to ours. Is that going away as the reserve currency, the universally accepted currency? How have sanctions, do you think, changed the dollar's place in the world? And here is Putin's answer. You know, to use the dollar as a tool of foreign policy struggle is one of the biggest strategic mistakes made by the U.S. political leadership. The dollar is the cornerstone of the United States power. I think everyone understands very well that no matter how many dollars are printed, they're quickly dispersed all over the world. Inflation in the United States is minimal. It's about three or 3.4 percent, which is, I think, totally acceptable for the U.S., but they won't stop printing. What does the debt of $33 trillion tell us about? It is about the emission. Nevertheless, it is the main weapon used by the United States to preserve its power across the world. As soon as the political leadership decided to use the U.S. dollar as a tool of political struggle, a blow was dealt to this American power. I would not like to use any strong language, but it is a stupid thing to do and a grave mistake. Look at what is going on in the world. Even the United States allies are now downsizing their dollar reserves. Seeing this, everyone starts looking for ways to protect themselves. But the fact that the United States applies restrictive measures to certain countries, such as placing restrictions on transactions, freezing assets, etc., causes grave concern and sends a signal to the whole world. What did we have here? Until 2022, about 80% of Russian foreign trade transactions were made in U.S. dollars and euros. U.S. dollars accounted for approximately 50% of our transactions with third countries. Well, currently it is down to 13%. It wasn't us who banned the use of the U.S. dollar. We had no such intention. It was the decision of the United States to restrict our transactions in U.S. dollars. I think it is complete foolishness from the point of view of the interests of the United States itself and its taxpayers, as it damages the U.S. economy, undermines the power of the United States across the world. By the way, our transactions in Yuan accounted for about 3%. Today, 34% of our transactions are made in rubles and about as much, a little over 34% in Yuan. Why did the United States do this? My only guess is self-conceit. They probably thought it would lead to full collapse, but nothing collapsed. Moreover, other countries, including oil producers, are thinking of and already accepting payments for oil in Yuan. Do you even realize what is going on or not? Does anyone in the U.S. realize this? What are you doing? You are cutting yourself off. All experts say this. Ask any intelligent and thinking person in the United States what the dollar means for the U.S., but you are killing it with your own hands. And Tucker responds that he thinks that's a fair assessment. Well, if that's a fair assessment, 
Why don't you ever talk about it with your audience? Now, again, you might say that's the info up. It's supposed to happen along this timeline. Vladimir Putin saying this in the Tucker Carlson interview counts as Tucker Carlson telling his audience, and it's fine for them to just have learned about this right now. See, I could be with you for most of that, except for that end part. Is it fine for them to just be learning about this now? I mean, we're talking about the currency. We're talking about people's finances. We're talking about people being able to protect their life's work. What if they've been responsible in saving and investing so that they could live out their retirement and happiness and have something to leave down to their kids? And they don't know anything about any of this because they've been encouraged to trust certain media figures as truth tellers. And those media figures have left them years in the past, despite themselves knowing what these problems are and what we might confront. Is that something we should be praising or not? Is it dishonesty or not? I'm not telling you where to come down. I'm just saying these questions have to be asked because if it's not the thing that you think it is, then what's happening is potentially extremely subversive. They get into a very interesting conversation about China. And again, I encourage absolutely everybody to listen to this interview. Maybe listen to it a bunch of times. There's a lot of really good information here. And it is extremely important to hear what other world leaders have to say, particularly while knowing that our leader in our country is illegitimate. But they have a discussion about BRICS and about China and how the scale of the BRICS economies, the populations of the BRICS countries, they now have the advantage. They are the big dogs. Putin says this is due to the trends of global development and world economy, as I mentioned just now. And this is inevitable. This will keep happening. It is like the rays of the sun. You cannot prevent the sun from rising. You have to adapt to it. How do the United States adapt with the help of force, sanctions, pressure, bombings, and use of armed forces? This is about self-conceit. Your political establishment does not understand that the world is changing under objective circumstances. And in order to preserve your level, even if someone aspires, pardon me, to the level of dominance, you have to make the right decisions in a competent and timely manner. Such brutal actions, including with regard to Russia and say other countries are counterproductive. This is an obvious fact. It has already become evident. And of course, he's right. One of his perspectives throughout the interview, he's very realistic about what the world is. He cares about the realpolitik. He understands what he is up against. He doesn't pretend that the alignments and affiliations, that the agendas are something other than they are. He doesn't have the views of an American normie about the way the world operates because he's not lied to by mass media figures. He doesn't get his information from CNN, MSNBC, and Fox News hosts. He seems to understand clearly there is this global regime. They choose the leaders in these various countries, and he seems to view them almost as messenger boys for the global regime. He talks for a little while about Volodymyr Zelensky. He treats him kind of like a son. He treats him as a junior partner, maybe just a lesser being in general. He seems to express pity for him for having made the decisions he made to go along with the program he went along with. They have a discussion about whether or not it would matter what leader was in charge of the U.S. 
He briefly mentions that he had a good personal relationship with Trump, and he concludes by saying the tools that the U.S. uses don't work. Well, one has to think about what to do. If this realization comes to the ruling elites, then yes, then the first person of the state, and I think he's talking about the president there, will act in anticipation of what the voters and the people who make decisions at various levels expect from this person. Then maybe something will change. Now, I can't be sure he's talking about Donald Trump and Donald Trump's relationship with the American people, but it seems to be what he's indicating there. That is exactly the style of what we are going for. And Tucker here responds and asks an interesting question. He says, but you're describing two different systems. You say the leader acts in the interest of the voters, but you also say these decisions are not made by the leader. They're made by the ruling classes. You've run this country for so long. You've known all these American presidents. What are those power centers in the United States? Do you think like who actually makes the decisions? Putin responds. I don't know. America is a complex country, conservative on one hand, rapidly changing on the other. It's not easy for us to sort it all out. Who makes the decisions in the elections? Is it possible to understand this when each state has its own legislation? Each state regulates itself. Someone can be excluded from elections at the state level. It is a two stage electoral system. It is very difficult for us to understand it. Secondly, there are two parties that are dominant, the Republicans and the Democrats. And within this party system, the centers that make decisions that prepare decisions, then look why, in my opinion, after the collapse of the Soviet Union, such an erroneous, crude, completely unjustified policy of pressure was pursued against Russia. After all, this is a policy of pressure, NATO expansion, support for the separatists in the Caucasus. Creation of a missile defense system. These are all elements of pressure, pressure, pressure. Now, the question was, who's making the decisions? And he doesn't really give a direct answer, but he seems to be saying that after that certain point, it doesn't matter who's making the decisions. All the decisions are directed toward this one thing. And it seems from his perspective to be explicitly anti-Russian. And it seems from my perspective to be explicitly anti-Russian as well. My generation, Generation X, we were raised to think Russians are the bad guys in all the movies. They're the ones who are threatening us with nuclear destruction. And somehow they were on the other side in World War II. But that's not true. The Russians fought the Nazis. It's the same people on both sides right now. And then we're told that some Russian leaders are bad. And we know that communism is bad, even though it's our system. We were taught that Russia was bad. And we're mad at them because they were communist once. And then the only other thing really is that Vladimir Putin was a KGB agent and poisoned Alexei Navalny. That is basically the American understanding of Russia. And there's a reason for that. It's because the American government, the military industrial complex, the global evil twin, the uniparty in America hates Russia. Why? Well, it could have something to do with this battle that's happening right now in Ukraine and the fact that the people who are controlling that battle are of the same ideology as all of these people who taught us to hate Russia. Putin says, but if we want to ensure the future, then we need to change our approach to what is changing. As I already said, the world would nevertheless change regardless of how the developments in Ukraine end. The world is changing and the United States themselves. 
experts are writing that the United States are nonetheless gradually changing their position in the world. It is your experts who write that. I just read them. The only question is how this would happen painfully and quickly or gently and gradually. And this is written by people who are not anti-American. They simply follow global development trends. That's it. And in order to assess them and change policies, we need people who think, look forward, can analyze and recommend certain decisions at the level of political leaders. And where are those? Are they in our political class? No, I think we would all agree that they're not. We might have some. I don't want to denigrate all of them. We might have some. Is Tucker cultivating them in his audience? No, I don't think so. Do they need to be cultivated in order for our country to be successful? Yes, they absolutely must. And here's the thing. They don't even need to be political leaders as long as they are part of that truth community that is telling the truth and sharing truth with other people. Because if we are locked in to mainstream media figures who are giving us different versions of the central narrative, and we can never break outside of that, we can never go beyond that gate, then who's encouraging our political leaders to do that? Who is telling them, hey, you're missing this really important thing about Ukraine, or you're missing this really important thing about BRICS? Do you know that there is this currency coalition that now represents over half of the world, and they are all committed to no longer using our currency and figuring out their own ways to trade. If you want to understand why we no longer have military might, it's because the military might was not needed to control the whole world. They did it through the dollar and that power is going away. And there are a lot of smart people focused in on that problem, but they're not regular guests on Tucker Carlson's show. And you can tell me that it's because it's just not the right time yet. But you should also admit, maybe, just maybe, the incentive structure that guides Tucker Carlson's behavior when it comes to talking about the currency might have some of the same influences that existed while he was still at Fox News. And if that's the case, then all of that aligns with the side who is refusing to tell anyone that the dollar's dominance is going away. So maybe you're happy waving to all your friends who have finally reached the gate. I want those people to have the opportunity to catch up and get in front of the pack and help us. And if that ain't good enough for you, I don't know what to tell you. I guess we're going to have to agree to disagree. Now, just quickly before I go, I wanted to update on the election in Pakistan. It happened yesterday. It's kind of still playing out as we speak. This is from the Associated Press this afternoon, the headline is Pakistan's ex-prime minister Sharif says he will seek coalition government after trailing jailed rival Khan. Pakistan's former prime minister Nawaz Sharif changed tack Friday and said he would seek to form a coalition government after his party trailed independent candidates backed by his imprisoned rival Imran Khan in parliamentary election results. Sharif told supporters he was sending his brother and former premier Shabazz Sharif to meet the leaders of other parties and invite them to join a coalition. Sharif spoke after results showed candidates backed by Khan, also a former prime minister, leading in the election a surprise giving claims by Khan supporters and a national rights body that the balloting was manipulated against him. 
Now, just recall from the other day, this article doesn't mention it until about halfway down, but this says Khan's party's candidates were forced to run as independents after they were barred from using the party symbol, a cricket bat, to help illiterate voters find them on the ballot. So they basically did away with their party. They said it's not okay to run as a member of this party because Imran Khan is a bad, bad boy. That's why he's in prison. So they basically eliminated that party, forcing all of Imran Khan's party candidates to run as independents and have their voters jump through hoops in order to properly vote for them. But it still happened. It still worked. They came out and supported those candidates. And now Nawaz Sharif, who looked like he was going to be the installed leader, he is looking to form a coalition government with these people. And the Associated Press is basically saying, you all better be happy with everything you're getting because you said that this system was being manipulated against you and your win proves it wasn't. Do not listen to the media when they say that. Winning does not prove the system wasn't rigged. It is wonderful to win elections. I hope that we do that. But the real win is well beyond that. And the real win is inevitable regardless of what happens there initially. We can be happy with all these successes along the path, but you got to keep the end in sight and the end is much further out. And just to be clear so that you don't understand that or take that as a negative thing, the end being further out does not mean you have to keep trudging through the same thing. It does not mean that you're going to keep being confronted with the same problems and frustrations or being treated the same way. It just means we have big lofty goals. It is important to achieve them. And the work is an investment in that better country, in that better community, the better bonds with the family, whatever it is that drives you. It has to be beyond just politics and elections. And we should be charging ahead this way in all aspects of our lives. It is okay to demand the truth in the process. I will be back on Monday at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic and Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. If you're listening to this episode for free, you can support me and support the show and the work I do by signing up for a paid subscription at imyourmoderator.substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month. Comes out to under a quarter per episode and you'll blast right through the paywall for all of the writing. The merch store is www.cancelcouture.com and you can find everything else by heading to Linktree. Linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. And I'll see you soon out on the range.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm Your Moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm Your Moderator.substack.com. The merch site is CancelCouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!